0: Renee was gonna use a remote as a phone today. She was taking it back to the flip-flown age. Ain't nothing wrong with that, you know. I'm about to send the visual. Are we good? Are we loading. Isn't that the moral of the like of our lifetime? You know, we live in the age of technology, right? I don't know what to do with this thing today. I feel like Ricky Bobby. Well, I don't have a I don't I don't have a belt on, so I'm afraid this thing's going like, to pull my britches down. I did this two days in a row, too, by the way. I, well, I didn't want to do it, you know, do didn't want to zip tie it again today. All right, what happened? Oh, we're live. Oh, I'm just up here talking about my britches falling down, right? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Now we're live. Uh, So, I want to... uh, I'm trying to send the video back to the room Uh, where Judah is currently at in a full. Uh, I just wanted to, like... Normally I ask questions, right? I want y'all to look at this. Right? Like, make eye contact with me as you look at this. Can I tell y'all a secret? We just right there in that moment without me actually having to like declare anything we just divided the room of like who was an athlete and who was not right because I looked at some of y'all and some of y'all looked at that and you're like yeah that's some bubblegum." right and then I looked at some other people and they were like look like just through an eye contact they were like that's fuel right like just from your eye contact I could tell just now that you were either an athlete or not an athlete and how you Uh, this very thing right here. Uh, So, let me send this back now. Boom. Now Jessica's good. She'll be happy with me. Uh, But in that moment, right, it's crazy how something as simple as like a visual reminder, right, can take you back in time. Right? Something as simple as big league chew could take you back in time now this is the part that I've been really excited about right like y'all ever been to a wedding y'all are like, what does a wedding have to do with big league Chew? right there's a there's a garter toss right and people will fight to the death mostly women will fight to the death over the bouquet going backwards there's a garter toss men generally do not fight to the death for the garter like, that just proves, like, how we, how we are on sanitation, right? Like, we're like, okay, that's been on somebody's sweaty thigh. Like, I don't, I don't want any part of this. I just wanted to do this and see how much, like, y'all were not paying attention. Scarlett's like, I'm going to catch that thing. Right? Scarlett's like, man, I really thought that I was about to get some big league chew, and you guys were just, look at her. She's like, man. But I say all that to, to bring us in where we are today. If you want to go ahead and flip in your Bibles. Anybody want to take a wild guess where we're at? Wow. We got, look, for once you guys are like, I know where we're at today. All right, so we're in Jude. Does anybody know what verse of Scripture we're in in the book of Jude? We already did one, right? So we're going to be in Jude 3 and 4, right? So in Jude 3 through 4, I told you guys, like last week, we were kind of like an introduction. We were prepping for battle, right? Who remembers the, the talk of prepping for battle? So this week, we're going to begin to contend for our faith. Who, who knows what the word contend means? Somebody's like, contentious, right? No, 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 contentious is a differently, completely different word. Alright, so let's read our verse of scripture together real quick. Uh, so we're going to be in the book of Jude, only one chapter. So when we say Jude, just associate 3 and 4. Don't be looking for chapter 3 and 4 because that doesn't exist, right? So when we say Jude, 3 and 4, that's what we mean. So it says, Dear friends, uh, I think I've got it up here. We're going to look at it real quick in the NLT. Dear friends, because I want you guys to be ready for like what it actually means. And who speaks like common English? Yeah, like me, right? Like that's me. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. There's commonality there, right? So what did Jude say? I wanted to write to you about the salvation that we all share. But, big but here. But now, I find that I must write about something else. Y'all, all right. We, we, we're from South Carolina, and we're from like the Anderson area, so when I say this, just know it is with the sincerest heart. Jude said, hold my beer and watch this, okay? Like in this moment, what we're reading is very proper, but in, in, in Anderson talk, what did you just say? Jude said, hold my beer and watch this. But now I find, I'm gonna, somebody's going to tell me you can't say that in church. I, it, it'll be Okay. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith. Hold on for a second. When we talk about the Bible, we talk about love and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Fruits of the Spirit, anybody? Nobody else? Okay, sweet. But in this moment, he's saying, We are urging you to defend the faith. Life is a battle. The world is constantly trying to pull your attention from your faith that is in Jesus Christ. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this, this is Jude. Judas, Judah, I say this because some ungodly people, remember there was that but, right? I wanted to write this love letter to you guys, right? I wanted to write this this frivolous-like love letter about the common salvation that we share, but remember he says, but, hold my beer, my glass of wine, my monster energy drink, my coffee, hold whatever you have in your hand and watch this. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Now, what did we talk about last week? How often do we talk about the book of Jude? How many of y'all, I'm not being funny, everybody, look, this is like, close your eyes and drop your head. How many of y'all knew that Jude was a book before we started talking about it last week? Be honest. No, okay, so there's a room full of people who are honest this week. I'm loving this. As we continue, right, you guys are like, wait a minute, Jesus had a brother, that's mind blown. Jesus had a brother that wrote a book in the Bible, he had two of them actually, brother that wrote a book in the Bible, right? Now, you were wondering last week, why are we talking about this, right, this book right before Revelation, this doesn't seem like it matters to us in 2000, what are we in, 2022? In 2022, right? But, Watch this. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. All right, I'm about to say something offensive. And I like to preface it when I say it. There are ungodly people that have worked their way to the front of churches. Y'all thought the whole my beer was going to get me a message. What about when I just said there are preachers... And I put that in air quotes. That shouldn't be at the front of congregations because their hearts are not where their mouths are. Yeah, hey, yay, yay. Somebody's like, "Man, I gotta see. let me stretch out for this one right here." Okay. Saying that God's marvelous grace. So this is what these people. This is how they'll they'll try and sneak to the front, guys. Saying that God's marvelous grace. Allows us to live immoral lives. How do they get to the front by telling you what you want to hear? Well, you can just do what you want, live your truth. That's the that's what they they that's how they market it, guys. Not that you need to live the the truth of Jesus Christ, right? Not that you need to live the lifestyle that he implemented, but that you can live your own truth. It's tense, y'all. Think this is tense? Wait until next week when we look at 5 through 16. They say that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So it sounds like right here that Judas is telling us about a very specific group of people, right? All right, give me the next slide real quick. So we're going to look at this in a different translation real quick. This is the ESV, which is what I typically will use. Uh, Today, we're actually even going to search in the NIV. People have given me grief about that. Well, why don't y'all settle on one translation? Because guess what? Let me tell y'all something. Some translations help voice things better than others. And that changes from verse to verse, and that changes from passage to passage. So what, ver- what, what translation are we going to use this week? Whatever one I feel like helps us get the message across in the way that we need it. We're looking at two translations today. Matter of fact, we're going to look at three translations today. Because what you'll notice is that different people within our congregation will grasp onto this same message differently from three different translations. So what will we use? Whatever we feel like will get it into the hearts of our people so Jude 3 and 4 in the ESV says beloved, that's a a term you need to hold on to here, beloved although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, same general principle theme here right, Jude says look guys, I wanted to write this love letter to you guys but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to remember in the NLT it said defend the faith What, what is defend what is that? That is obviously a defensive position. Now I ask you guys: Do you know what contend means? And some people are like, "Yeah." So hold on, hold on to the defend your faith. So I write to you, appealing to you to contend for the faith. Y'all ever anybody here like sports? What is a, a football expression? What do they say? What is the best? What is the best defense? A good offense. People in here that don't even like sports are like, hey, I knew that one. Right? So the best defense sometimes is to be on the offense. So in in today's college football age, they run what's called a spread offense. Right? And it's going as quick as they can. As quick as they can. Why do they go as quick as they can? Because they're prepared for it. Is the defense ready to take what they're going to push their way? A lot of the times the answer to that is no. No. So now we have these high-scoring games, right? It's exciting. People like that. Your faith is the same way. You have to be on the offense because people are ready to come and take it away from you. So I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Here's a principle that was just invoked there in, 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 uh, in Jude 3. We have an eternal salvation. Right. Okay, just want to put that out there for you. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. Again, worded different, same principle here. People who do do not walk the walk that they talk have crept in. Unnoticed who long ago were designated for their condemnation. Again, Jude is talking about a very specific set of people right ungodly people who and i like the esv right here cuz it don't like it holds no punches who pervert the grace of our god into sensuality and deny our only master and lord jesus christ who is salvation provided through jesus christ but they pervert it and change it to what live your own truth right like you can be your own savior No, you can't. If you're your own savior, you're going to hell. Like, that don't sound nice, but guess what? It's not, and it's not supposed to be. All right, now, I want to take y'all real quick, because I know you guys are like, man, he is talking about, it seems like he is talking about a very specific set of people. All right, so in Matthew, so if you're looking for Matthew, we're going to flip toward the middle of the Bible, right? Your New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew, and you're going to look for chapter 23. Some of these will be kind of familiar to you, right? Uh, if you're using a what's called a Textus Receptus or uh, King James or New King James translation today, you're actually going to have eight woes. In the NIV, ESV, NLT, most of your common, majority, or critical texts, you're going to have seven woes. There's actually... Eight are there. Uh, Most of the time it will put it down in your subnotes, okay? So people are like, if they're New King James or King James only, they'll say, your Bible takes stuff out. No, actually, it puts it in the footnotes, and your Bible might have added it. Just putting that out there. (laughs) So I'm going to read this really quickly, because I need you guys to grasp that Jude is, in fact, talking about a very specific set of people. And this is how Jesus rebuked those people. These are called the seven woes. And it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Man, that starts out hot and heavy. You hypocrites. But Jesus was so sweet and kind and loving. He was, but he was quick to call you on your bull. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter. Nor will you let those who enter Who are trying to. So you won't let people in who come looking for the real salvation, right? Because they got to come through your law system first. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Man, there seems to be a common theme here. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. This is Jesus, y'all. Woe to you, blind gods. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Oh, man. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift of the altar is bound by that oath, you blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Anyone who swears by the temple swears by by the one who dwells in it. In layman's terms, I know you guys are, this is like a lot to swallow. Jesus is saying, you celebrate, you worship the creation rather than the creator. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits in it or the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind gods. You strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. In other words, you are not putting in what you're telling everybody to put in. You're telling these people to bring your 10%, but all you're giving is your 10% of your deal, your, com- your spices, right? These things that, that don't actually even matter. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish. This is the one that like never made any sense to me, right? Because this is just like, this was just out there. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. In other words, he's saying, look, I mean, the outside of that cup is spotless, but there's mold on the inside and you're still using it. Blind Pharisee, man, he is pretty blunt about this thing, right? And why is he saying this? Because we're toward the end of Matthew. Anybody got an idea of what's about to come? His his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He's at the end of this thing. So at the beginning of the ministry, he couldn't be too blunt about it, right? Because he's still got to spread the word. But right now, he knows his time is coming. Guys, look at me. I'm not telling you this is like end of time prophecy, but I'm telling you, the time is closer now than it was yesterday. Right? People are like, look, don't don't buy into it. People are going to tell you, oh, Russia, Ukraine, right? Like, that is sad what is going on there. Don't. Nobody knows the day or time, okay? So don't, don't, don't take that as this. This is me telling you, you better put on your boots and strap up your bootstraps because the fight is coming to you. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Notice a common theme among these seven. Does he get nicer as he goes along? Nope, he's just bah, packing the punch. You hypocrites, you were like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. He told them they were. <laughs> their importance is that of, of a gravestone marker. But guess what? What's still in that grave? Dead body. And as a matter of fact, the most valuable part of their grave was the tombstone. In the same way, on the outside, you appear as righteous people, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So remember, we were looking at Jude 3 and 4 right here, and looking at verse 4, it looks like he's talking about a very specific group of people, right? So remember we talked about last week, was Jude, at this point in time right here, was Jude following Jesus? No. Right? It isn't until the resurrection that Jude, the brother of Jesus, goes, holy cow, (laughs) maybe he was on something, right? It isn't until Acts chapter 2, when they're in that upper room, and he said, oh, my brother came and he did what he said he was going to do, and my mom came here and lifted him up, right? It wasn't until that that Jude goes, Jesus was legit. you got to do better than that, guys. Can I tell you a secret? You don't have until that day to get yourself right with Jesus. If you wait until that day, it's too late. See, Jude was very lucky with his faith, and, and he was so lucky, in fact, that look at this in verse four. Remember, he's talking about very, a very specific group of people because he don't want you to end up like him. He says, "For certain people have crept in unnoticed." What does his brother say? Woe to you, Pharisees, you hypocrites! For long ago, we're designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our Master and Lord. Does it say just Master? No, Master and Lord. Jesus, look at me guys, Jesus has to be your Lord and Savior. Because if He's not both, He's neither. If you don't look to Him for salvation then you don't look to him for anything. Because that, right, that will ultimately lead you to heaven. And when you do that, when you look to the Lord, you look to him as your savior, he becomes the Lord over every part of your life. Meaning your lifestyle starts to emulate that thing that you're talking about. So what is he saying about these teachers and these Pharisees and these hypocrites of the law? That they've snuck into the front of the crowd and they're telling you, Right? They're finger-wagging at you, and they're telling you how to live their life, but they're living in, in sin. They're living, like, go and look at these guys' search results. They're looking at pornography, right? They're getting drunk. They're beating their wives. They're doing these things that they're telling you not to do so that they can stand at the front and pervert the truth. Oh, you're just on a, on, you're on a rant today. No, it's in Scripture. And it's still happening today. And people don't want to talk about it. So what ends up happening is people are hurt by the church. But they weren't hurt by the real church. They were hurt by some imposter who was claiming to be something he was not. They were hurt by some imposter who was claiming to be something she was not. Because your actions will ultimately tell the results of your heart. I got to get a water bottle or something today. So, I got three things I got to show you guys in this, these two verses of Scripture, right? And our points A and B, basically, we don't, we don't actually have three. We have like an A and a B. And then we've got, so we got a 1A, one a 1B, a one and then we got a number two, right? Because, look, I love y'all, but I know some of y'all came from Baptist, so we got to keep it on the three system where you, like, I lost you. It can't be four. You're like, man, that's too many. It can't be two because you're like, where, where was the third one? I, it was with that third hymn, you know, the third verse of the hymn that we're looking for that it just never came. Right? Like that third stanza, it just never exists. So our first thing we need to look at today, we fight out of necessity. Y'all. Come on, somebody. We fight out of necessity. Why are we fighting these false demigods? Because they've crept into the front and we've let them. Matter of fact, Not only have we let them, some people have recognized what it is. And instead of saying, get out of here, Satan, they say, I want in on that. I can profit from that. I got to, we're going to look at this real quick. It says in Jude 3, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. There's this necessity. Right? I wanted to write a love letter about what Jesus does for us, but you guys have let Satan in. Second thing we need to look at, we fight earnestly. We fight with intentionality, guys. We have to be wholeheartedly fighting for the salvation, for the truth to remain the head of the church. If a man is the front of your church, if a woman is the head of your church, Either or, that your church is doomed to fail. But if Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior number one in the front of your church, that, that's a church that, that, that is the bride that he intended to leave behind for us. But we've, what did it, what it say in verse 4? We have perverted the truth. We, we want to live our own truth, right? Your truth is hell. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the truth. I keep emphasizing, like with my voice, I'm italicizing, right, this contend for the truth. Because, you know, it wouldn't be me if I didn't leave here and teach you all one Greek word, right? And this one is real important today. Anybody, anybody ever, you know this word, agony? You ever been in agony? Now you thought you'd been in agony. You'd actually, you actually haven't been in agony. We're going to look at that real quick. But agony. Whew. Our third thing we need to look at real quick. This comes from verse four, right? Come back one, one, one second for us. This is probably the most important. It's our third point: is that we fight spiritually. We fight spiritually. Again, we, we started this thing by looking at, at, at sports, right? We, we, started, we started looking at this thing at, from a sports metaphor standpoint. There was some big league chew. People were losing their flipping mind over it. Uh, Scarlett was like, man, I really want some of that big league chew. Uh, Poppy wouldn't let me have none. Like, this is awful, right? Before we ever enter a physical battle, A thorough leader must first prepare you for the war within the mind and in the heart. Your toughest battles are inside of you. But everybody's worried about the outside, right? The outside appearance. What did Jesus say to those Pharisees? You clean the outside of the cup, but your heart is ugly. Right? He said, you are a gravestone marker, but there's still a dead body under there. We fight spiritually, for God comes into your life and leaves this thing called the Holy Spirit. And do you know where your toughest battles, what do we talk about, where do they come from? The inside. What is your number one weapon of defense? Is offense, right? And guess who that offense is? The Holy Spirit. Can, can I tell y'all something real quick? The Holy Spirit is a very, very real person. And he fights from within you, for you, on your defense. It's not some inanimate, just like this woo thing that's out there, right? And it came in, in, in Acts 2 and there was a fire. No. He came and on the heart of believers left a very real person inside you to defend your faith. The Holy Spirit. So why do we fight spiritually? Because the Holy Spirit is within you if you are a true believer of Jesus Christ. i got to show you all real quick. So before we look at at this Greek word, right, I'm I'm, going to use that at the end for you guys. One of my favorite uh, philosophers, historians, church fathers... Fathers, I just said fathers, Fathers, it's only funny if you point it out to yourself, you know. One of my favorite uh, Christian men to look at is a guy named Dallas Willard. And you know why I love Dallas Willard? Because he tells, he tells the, the story from the inside. Dallas Willard writes, the human heart, the wheel or the spirit, which is known in the Greek, we've looked at this, uh, a while back, is known as the pneuma, right? It's this, when you, even when you say the word pneuma, it's an excerpt, right? So the human heart, the will of the spirit, is the executive center of a human life. Your heart is front and center of you. The heart is where decisions and choices are made for the whole person. That is the function, that is its function. Let me, let me show y'all something real quick, though. So, this is where we have to, to, to be very careful. Because Dallas Willard is telling us, like, look, guys, your heart is front and center in your, in your life, right? Your mind, your will is front and center in, in, in your life. But if you go to Jeremiah real quick in your Bible, y'all got to be careful here. This is, this is where, you, this is the thing that's, that separates a Pharisee from a believer. Right? This is the difference between someone who professes to be a Christian and someone that is a true math of taste, or an apprentice, or a follower of Jesus. Math, uh, Jeremiah 17. The verse may be familiar to you once we actually get in here. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. The verse says this. It says, the heart... Oh, wow, wait a minute, what did, what did Dallas Willard say? Where, where is the heart? Front and center, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. So be careful. And beyond cure, in and of itself, your heart is deceitful, and it'll get you messed up. But, but what, what do we fight? What do we fight? Spiritually. So who do we let take over our heart? The Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit take over our heart? Because the Holy Spirit is an embodiment of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was an embodiment of perfection. Right? So through the Holy Spirit, are you saying we're perfect? Absolutely not. But I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is. Woo! The Holy Spirit is perfect. I, the Lord... Oh, oh, wait a minute, y'all ain't going to like this. You ain't going to like this part. I, the Lord, search the heart. I examine the mind. And to reward a man according to his way by what his deeds deserve. Oh, no. So the heart is front and center, right? Are you going to be judged for the things that you went and did for people and you were very, you know, it was very spectacle, Look at what I did. No, no. See, you're going to actually be judged on the things that were inside your heart. Oh, no. And if you live for the the man-made condition of sin, what did he say in verse 9? The heart is deceitful above all things. Whew. All right. Now... Let's go on a on a little a little. Uh, let's go on a field trip real quick. Somebody attempt to say this for me. You're like, "Yep, you got it, preach," right? The word we're looking at here is a paganizma, Oh, what? 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 What word are you hearing in the middle there? Agony. Oh, so Ipagonizamai is to contend with or for, right? So this, this, and this one we're looking at here, where do you think it comes from? Internal, right? So we have also the Greek word, you drop off the EP, right? And we have agonizamai, guess what that one is? That one's a sports reference, that one's a, a battle, that one's a physical fight, Right? So Ipagonizamaya comes from within the heart. This is an internal battle that's occurring every single day. And guess what? We lose our Ipagonizamaya and then we let people into the front of these pulpits. We let people into the front of these stages. We let people onto the TV screen we look at at home who have nothing but bad intentions for your life. Because we lost the Ipagonizamaya. And what does this cause us? It causes us... Agua my. it causes us an actual physical harm because we lost the battle of our heart. We lost the battle in our hearts and now we suffer from it on a, on a very real, right? On a very physical level. We lost the battle from within our heart. So what is Jude writing about? Jude is writing, he's writing about the fact that you need to first focus on what? That battle going on within your heart. Jude, in verse 4, give it to me again real quick, Corey. Might need to take a water break. Yeah. All right. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. And guess what? It wasn't that you didn't notice, it was that you let them because you didn't care. They they snuck in by telling you what you wanted to hear, and the next thing you know, they got you leaving, they got you living a life that is sin because you're following their lead. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. In other words, God is saying, look, they're going to get in there. Because our hearts are sinful above all things. We're going to want to hear these things that they're telling us that we wanted to hear. But how do we defend it? By being ready to battle in your heart, in your mind, and in your spirit. ungodly people who man again i like the nlt in verse 3 cuz it makes it so we can understand what's going on right jude's like hey i wanted to write this love letter about salvation but you guys are evil <laughs> and you were so evil that you let this evil person be your leader and then i love the esv right here because it just it doesn't hold back any punches and if we're in a battle for our salvation if we're in a battle for the hearts of our loved ones, we can't hold back no punches. We have to be ready to go to war. So these ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God, what he's saying here is that they've perverted the grace of God as a license to sin. So they're saying, "Hey, these people—they creep in because they go, well, you know, you know Jesus. So, like, you're already you're already going to heaven. So, you know, like, hey, why not have a little fun while you're here?'" Because somebody else who's not going to heaven is watching your lead. Somebody else who is fighting that battle every single day, and they're on the crest right? They're on the edge of suicide. They're on the edge of depression. They're on the edge of anxiety. They're on the edge of death. Those people are watching you. And so while you do already have salvation in your heart, that person don't. So what you're doing is actually in fact leading them to hell through your actions. And that is tough, guys. That's tough to face. That is a battle that me and you have to be prepared. And we have to be ready to fight. Because it's, it's not just our souls that we're fighting for. It's the souls of our loved ones. It is the souls of the people who we truly love. And want to see on this other side of eternity. I don't just want to see you here on earth. I want to see you in heaven. So they have turned. Go to Romans. When you get home. Look at Romans 6. That whole chapter of scripture is about this exact battle that we're talking about. So these fa- these false teachers, these indoctrinators, they don't just bring bad doctrine. Right? They don't just bring bad doctrine. Their lifestyle choices are suspect to, to be nice. Right? Their lifestyle choices are... I used to be a youth pastor. There's this cool little game called Among Us, and people are sus, right? And if they're sus, that means that, like, they're the the murderer, right? So these people are sus, to say the least. Apaganizamai. That's our internal battle. And if we don't win our internal battle, what do we have? Agonizamai. If you're losing your battle someone else is losing because they're watching you. If you don't think somebody's always watching you, go spend about 30 minutes with with a five-year-old. If you don't think that somebody's always watching you, go spend 30 minutes with an unbeliever. Either you'll leave that experience emulating them, or they'll leave that experience emulating you. And what are we going to be judged by? The things that we went and did and displayed? No, the battle's within our heart. So every one of those chance encounters that you have with someone where you could tell them about the glory of Jesus Christ and you didn't, you lost the battle. It's sad because you'll, you'll have people that you work with for four or five years, right? And just one day out of just like, you kind of get on this discussion and then you find out like they're believers too. And you're like, Holy cow. I didn't know. Y'all, for you to know somebody for four or five years and them not to know that you are a believer of Jesus Christ, that's the worst thing that they could ever say about you. If you can know somebody for 30 minutes and them not know that you're a believer of Jesus Christ, that's one of the worst things they could ever say about you. So where Jesus, you know, i like to show you guys, where where was Jesus in this particular text of Scripture, right? Jesus was front and center here in this passage of Scripture. It only talks about Him really that one time at the end of verse 4, but He was all throughout. Because it says that these people who crept in pervert the grace of our God, big G God, right? So there's Yahweh, into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So, without overtly saying it, verse 4 talks about the Holy Spirit, talks about God the Father, which is Yahweh, and it talks about Jesus Christ. Jesus was front and center in this verse of Scripture. So, I want to close for us real quick, uh, and we're going to look at the same passage uh, that Kayla read for us there at the beginning of service. We'll bring our kids down and we'll do communion together. And the the passage of scripture. Remember, we went to we went to Matthew twenty three because we could tell that that Jude was talking about some very particular people, right? And doesn't it make a lot of sense when you go and look at those people through through the lens of Jesus? So how do we how do we know what we're supposed to do in life? We're going to look at that through the lens of Jesus Christ. we go to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, and it says, And behold, a lawyer, y'all know what a lawyer is? A Pharisee, a scribe, a heretic, a hypocrite, if they're not living their life the right way. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? How can I have salvation, Jesus? He said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? So he actually wants to make this Pharisee, he wants to make this, this lawyer, this scribe, say it with his own mouth. He, and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And if you do that correctly, guess what you're going to do automatically? You're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Here's a verb. Do this and you will live. Your best offense has to be a defense of God in your heart. You are called to be an example to someone else. Go out and live it that way. Do this. The most, one of the most important things that you could, you could ever hear. Do this and you will live. Not just live as in, I went out and I existed, but you will you will truly understand what it means to live. I'm going to pray for us real quick. We'll bring the kids down, and then we'll, uh, we'll actually uh, go into communion together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we just pray that in this place today, God, there not be anyone within us, amongst us, who does not know you as both Lord and Savior, God. We just pray that today, God, that we take your message to heart, Lord, that we see that we truly are at the front lines of a battlefield, God, and that everything in our lives, Lord, is called in defense of you and who you are.